Hey, everybody. How's it going? Thanks for joining me this afternoon. I've got a great stream with a great guest. I think you're really going to enjoy. So Mary Harrington is a really interesting author. She's got a great book out there about reactionary feminism. Don't let that title uh, scare you. Mary, I, I'm telling you, I like the phrase, but every time you're on, someone's always like, feminism, it's the, it's the, it's got to be the devil. She's subversive. And so I've always got to explain there's, there's more to it, but thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. So you wrote this great piece uh, about uh, egregoric Caesarism, uh, which is uh, the most online title a human being could ever <laughs> could ever craft. But luckily, no, no, no. I, I, I think I actually came up with a more online one once about <laughs> uh, about hyperpalatability and male to male transsexuals. But it's it's definitely in the top five. It's yeah. I, pre I appreciate that. That's a category that's really stuffed for you, but. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, it, it's a very online uh, title. However, it had some really interesting twists and turns that uh, that got me thinking about a lot of things that I've been exploring when it comes to what you call governance by swarm and the possibility of kind of how this is going to transform the way that people look at what seems to be a trend towards possibly uh, authoritarian government. But before we dive into all that, guys, let's hear really quickly from our sponsor. These days, it's impossible to thrive with just one job. Between increasing living costs, paying off debts, and planning for the future, things like buying a home, building savings, and even going on vacation can seem like fantasies. If your goal is financial freedom, you could start taking on more hours at your current job, work towards a promotion, or try putting your money into something risky like stocks, cryptocurrencies, or even a side hustle. But at the end of the day, do you really want to sacrifice time and energy that could otherwise be spent with your loved ones or on your hobbies just to make a living? Luckily, you don't have to hustle to reliably make more money. All you have to do is job stacking. Job stacking is the best way for regular people, regular employees, to unleash their earning potential and increase job and financial security. How? by working multiple jobs, but without burning out or more importantly, getting caught by corporate overlords. Job stacking allows you to reliably receive paychecks from multiple employers each month without having to work more than eight hours a day. You don't have to be in tech or any particular field or industry to do it as long as you can work remotely. If you've thought about working multiple jobs, but you're not sure how to start or are afraid of getting caught, get the fundamental job stacking course today and learn all of the secrets on how to sustainably work multiple full-time jobs from the foremost expert on the matter, Rolf Halza, author of Job Stacking. Rolf has worked multiple full-time jobs since 2018, including hybrid jobs, and has condensed all of his experiences and wisdom into a single four-module online course so you can start proficiently job stacking without having to make mistakes, figuring things out on your own, or reinventing the wheel in the process. Go to www.jobstacking.com and enter the promo code ORIN to get a special discount. All right, so before we dive too far into this extremely online topic, let's define one of our terms here because an egregore is it's something I've used in my writing. It's something that gets knocked around uh, online, especially in kind of dissident right or, or in our ex circles. But I think a lot of people won't know what we're talking about here. So can you explain what an egregore is? So an egregore is a term that comes out, or I guess, out of occultism, which is used to describe an entity which is composed of a swarm. Um, and there are people, there are people who will tell you that egregores have agency in their own right, as in their their channels for some kind of consciousnesses which are not human. And there are some, there are plenty of other people who just use it as a handy shorthand um, for. The, the emergent phenomenon, which I think anybody who's ridiculously online um, will notice 
of collective intelligence, which is it's just um, it's unmistakably, noticeably evident. Partic I mean, particularly, I think I think it's particularly evident on Twitter, where the di where the discourse just moves quickly enough for for the for the moods to for mood shifts to be really obvious, and for consensus form you know, you can you can really you can watch consensus formation happening in real time. I remember it was it it was extraordinary watching it happen during the COVID uh, the early months of COVID, for example, uh, the early weeks, I suppose. When people really weren't sure for a little while, you know, which way to jump on on what they what the right opinion was to have, and there was there was some genuine back and forth between um, even even amongst sort of quite kind of respectable opinion people on which way we should go, and you know, should we be masking, should we do this, should we do that, and then all of a sudden the consensus just set in, and it's and it's like it, and it and it ripples. It's like it's like the sort of shockwave that travels throughout the whole network, the whole sort of network networked intelligence, and suddenly everyone's just saying the same thing. I mean, there's the, again another very online meme about you know the, the the NPC who gets the new software chip implanted in his head, and then he's just like, I support the current thing. Um, but but this is, I mean, people make the meme and people recognize the meme and laugh about the meme because you you can watch it happening if you if you spend enough time scrolling, and 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 it's a it's a phenomenon. You know, it's you, at a micro and a macro scale, it's very obvious the 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 kind of very online network phenomenon of concept, of consensus formation that happening within within distinct in groups on pretty much any topic you care to name. And then once once the consensus is there, it'll be vis viciously policed. And God help you if you if you dissent from it in any obvious ways unless you can form another an alternate consensus of your own and create another little reality bubble somewhere else so when i use egregore or egregoric um, i'm just swerving the question of whether these these composite intelligences have agency in their own right or are channels for something else I, I i just have no idea i'm not qualified to comment on that but for me it's a really useful shorthand for something which i which i just see happening which is collective collective intelligences and which which really do move things in the in the outside world i mean the the, the consensus which formed on covid being a case in point uh, you know that that changed things for a lot of people and you know ruined lots of people's lives and you know impelled impelled major political shifts and you know, all sorts of stuff i mean we're all we're all living with the consequences now people's kids in particular are living with the consequences now um and that's so and, and that that sort of egregoric intelligence which is pretty much kind of faded away now um isn't just some abstract thing which you can use it isn't just as an abstract phenomenon which stays confined to the internet and ends up percolating out to the material world as well um so it's just for me it's a useful it's a useful way of understanding a real phenomenon without without getting too obviously theological um and without and without discounting the possibility that there's something because it's genuinely spooky to watch yeah, no, I think, like you said, a lot of people can observe this. And it's something that we certainly saw well before the information age. You know, this originally comes from the idea that you would have kind of this shared collective consciousness inside different tribes or nations and things. Richard Dawkins hit on this a little bit, pieces of this, when he looked at the you know, mimetic information, the meme and these kind of things, having having lives of their own. And of course, the first time I interacted with this concept with Cur was Curtis Yarvin and his idea of the cathedral, you know, this, mm -hmm. this being the, the kind of the, the global American empires, Igrigor and the, in the way that it kind of uh, manifests itself, self and drives things and is, and is self-interested. But I think the most interesting intersection I, I've had with this is, is with Nick land. The thing that made Nick land so interesting to me is he took kind of that understanding that Curtis Yarvin had of the cathedral and he gives it this uh, this supernatural quality where these things are no longer simply uh, you know an amalgamation of different ideas that have kind of gained a little bit of 
momentum on their own. But these are truly different consciousnesses. They're, they're separating themselves from the interests of the things that have incubated them. And they've, they've got their own kind of metaphysical drive. They are conduits for things outside greater than uh, kind of kind of ourselves. And so we, we might get into that deeper at the end there once we've explained this uh, topic. But, but I do find that part of it particularly fascinating. So one thing that you really hit on in the piece was looking at the way that AI and the and particularly Elon Musk's development of marrying AI with Twitter might change kind of the game when it comes to uh, to artificial intelligence because it will actually attach it directly to this zeitgeist or kind of this egregore, uh, this online consensus, and and it would it would somehow change the way that artificial intelligence interacts with the the average person. Yeah, I mean, this is this is wild speculation on my part for the avoidance of doubt. Uh, this is prob this is the biggest if in the piece. Everything else is fairly uh, is fairly robustly argued from things which are already there and visibly happening. But for me, the 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 moment of wild, hopefully sci-fi speculation is is. The, it is yeah, it's that story of Elon Musk collecting and uh, connecting his his new Twitter experiment, his new AI experiment to to Twitter, to live Twitter. And the reason I think that's so interesting is because it's a it, it's a qualitative step change in how uh, in how uh, in the data set which is being used to inform a large language model. And this is and this and, and it struck me reading when I first read about this that if it's if it does what I think it could do then the significance of that is really not, is, is very difficult to overstate. Um, because, I mean, the one thing, you know, there's lots of noise about, oh, you know, mean, meaningful, you know, is the, is the paperclip machine going to come alive and eat us all? And, you know, there's, there's just a, there's so much noise about AI risk and so on. And I look at, I look at AI and I think, well, that, like, that, that's a, it's an incredibly fancy autocorrect. Like this thing doesn't have agency and it's not going to have agency unless something something unless we have something very, very different happens, because just a glorified autocorrect is not an intelligence. It's an autocorrect. They're just, they're just different things. There's a different order of thing, um, you know, and a, an, an inductive, you know, a, a pattern recognizing machine and, and a human are just a, 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 a and. Or, or some other, who knows if, if there are other forms of other forms of complex intelligence. But so, so I mean, you know, the, the one we know about is human intelligence, and that that's just a different order of thing. You know, yes, we notice patterns, but we do a whole lot of other things as well. Um, and the idea that somehow, if we make a pattern recognizing machine complicated enough, if we make a, a autocorrect uh, fancy enough, it's going to somehow develop um, the capacity to think. Just seems just seems to me like you don't really you haven't really thought very hard about what thinking is, or you you just very you very very seriously misunderstand what's going on here. However, I was think well, uh, and then I then I read about I read about. And I was thinking, well, what would happen? I mean, I mean, the the egregoric consciousnesses of Twitter are very much alive in a sort of in a kind of part in a collectively human, but not exactly human kind of a way. And some, sometimes sometimes their impulses, their moral impulses don't feel they don't feel like the kind of the kind of moral impulses that a human would have on an individual level. Like the the, the aesthetic is often different. The, the 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 disposition and the tone of the collective intelligences on Twitter are often not exactly inhuman, you know. They, they, but, but not, not very. It's a, it's a kind of funhouse mirror of our, of our collective cultural self, if you like, and you know, really brings some things to the fore. You know, vengefulness and mercilessness and combativeness and 
you know, a bunch of other qualities. Um, I mean, also the an extraordinary capacity collectively for pattern recognition. A bunch of other things, you know, so all of which are you know human in and of themselves. But you put them together, and they don't they don't feel like the image that we like to have of ourselves collectively. And I, but 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 they are they are in a sense in a sense kind of ag alive in aggregate rather than as well you know much as the humans the individual humans that make it up are alive individually. And I was thinking, what happens when a large language model is drawing? is drawing not from a not not from a static set of data like a finite you've poured you know it might be might be millions of data points trillions of data points but it's a it, it, you've poured it all into a bucket and that's it you know it's all just in the bucket there's nothing going in and out of the bucket except when you when you sort of adjust adjust how you're training the data what happens if that's what if, what happens if that data set is being updated in real time um what what happens if that data set comprises these egregoric intelligences which are created the root fundamentally based you know being drawn from humans on twitter you know is that that that's such an, an an ai of that kind is going to is potentially alive in at least to a to a far more significant degree than any glorified autocorrect is going to be and i don't know i don't you know i, I don't know how well that's going to work because i'm not i'm not a technologist but i think it has the potential to to be you know figuratively speaking if you like the divine spark that's always that's hitherto always seemed like it was obviously missing from from every glorified autocorrect. That I, in, as it turns out, the divine spark, which makes the difference between um, artificial actual artificial intelligence and a fancy a fancy autocorrect, turns out to be collectively us. You know, I'm thinking, whoa, you know, what if what what happens if that what what happens if that? And then and then I thought. <laughs> and then I thought, holy shit, because this answers another question which I've been I've been turning over in my mind for a little while, which is what what do you do when 60% of your young people want an authoritarian government, but they're also pathologically averse to the idea of being governed by any single human individual? And then I thought, oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> a very a very interesting way to solve that problem. Yeah, I, I, I like the um I like the notion of, or I shouldn't say I like the notion of, but I find the notion interesting that uh, that Twitter is selecting for human traits that collectively aren't human. Um, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And what that compiles, because you can already feel that, you know, how people win in the Twitter algorithm, the, the yeah, things that it yeah, rewards, yeah. behavior that it drives. As you yeah, point yeah. out, the, the behaviors it's rewarding are distinctly human, but they are not they're not the entirety of human humanity they do, they don't collectively make a human and so that that creates a very interesting scenario that drives the selection because you you are assembling a particular type of very vicious very very witty but but, but very cruel uh kind of facsimile of human nature uh and if that's the thing that then your artificial intelligence is using to inform what it's going to be driving uh, that, that becomes uh, very scary. I want to get to uh, that that uh, aspect you were talking about about how this connects to uh, kind of authoritarianism and possibly uh, what what a Caesarism would look like driven by this. But before we do that, guys, uh, let me tell you about the blind. For years, Hollywood's been lacking when it comes to stories of redemption. Movies and TV shows have trended towards the anti-hero, a flawed person who makes no effort to change and just becomes worse and worse as the story goes on. Well, here's some great news. The Blind, The True Story of the Robertson Family is now available for purchase on Blaze TV. Maybe you've made a mess of your life. Maybe someone you love is in a dark place. Maybe all of the above. If you or someone you know feels beyond redemption, you need to watch this movie. And you'll see there's always hope. 
The Blind takes you on an incredible journey through the life of Phil Robertson, giving you an intimate look into the man behind the legend and the trials, triumphs, and values that shaped him through the years. While The Blind wasn't a Blaze Media production, since Phil is such a big part of our Blaze TV family, we wanted to make sure that you had the opportunity to stream it here. Because it isn't ours, we can't include it as part of the subscription. But if you'd rather purchase it and stream it here rather than Apple or Amazon, we wanted to make sure that you had the opportunity to do that. Make sure to act now. Don't miss this opportunity to own The Blind, a Phil Robinson story on Blaze TV. You can buy it today at blazetv.com, The Blind, for $19.99. That's blazetv.com slash The Blind. All right, Mary, so you're talking about this tension that is exists right now. We have a lot of people, uh, some of us who might host a show included, who find democracy to be uh, wearing thin, uh, to not have the persuasive power it used to, uh, people feeling uh, a, a little burnt out on this idea that, that it's it's not going to be something that's going to move us in to kind of uh, the next epoch. But at the same time, you also have a younger generation, especially, but I think everybody really, but but particularly younger generation, that is very anti-authoritarian, that, that, that does not like the idea of any individual human having power over them. And and so we have this dichotomy between these two forces where you, you have this movement of young people who are not so big on democracy, don't value it that highly, might feel like they could move towards a different form of government. But at the same time, while that would open up the opportunity possibly for authoritarian rule in some way to enter into the frame, you also have this drive for high degrees of individual liberty or at least the perception of uh, high degrees of individual liberty people bucking under the idea that they would ever have some kind of natural hierarchy over them. And you you kind of pointed out how this might end up getting resolved in, in maybe perhaps the worst possible way uh, by an egregoric Caesar. Right. I mean, to credit where credit's due, like I've been, I've been thinking about the, the idea of an, of an AI Caesar ever since I, it was, it was dropped as a kind of casual, as a casual kind of, you know, this, this, this could happen uh, in passing. I think it was zero HP Lovecraft talking to Alex Kashuta ages back. Um, and it was, and, and then they went, they, they sort of carried on and they talked about something else completely different. And I, and it's just been stuck in my mind as a sort of like the, the idea of enthroning the AI as a solution to the, 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 the perennial problem of, of what you, of, of what you enthrone when, when you have a system that doesn't work unless you enthrone something. I mean, the British, you know, we, we've had a, we've had a system, we've, we've had a constitutional monarchy for some time. That's, that's sort of, it's a fairly good compromise, but that, a lot of people just don't seem very comfortable with that, and so um, it, it's so so it's a problem. Um, I think the the anti yes the so, so so let's take let's take the the authoritarian young people and first, and then we'll take the anti anti authoritarian young people second. <laughs> so I mean I think last time last time we spoke on this on this show we were talking about we were we, we were talking about the the totalitarian safetyism of daycare which is something I've, I've written about and reflected on a, a great deal just in, in terms of in terms of my experience and observation around around little kids. And again, this this sort of the, the original observation comes from an, an old friend who's now an old friend who, who observed to me some years ago when we were in London, we were watching a little crocodile of kids you know, from some local daycare, you know, being ushered down the street on somewhere on the River Thames. And he, he, he said to me and my friend said to me in passing that there was something incredibly totalitarian about that scenario. And it just in my mind um and, and and 
I've, I've come to think there's something true about that. And, and I've come further to think that the more children we raise in those kinds of um, all-encompassing totalitarian nurture scenarios, you know, typified by the daycare, you know, and the, and that sort of, that, that, that all in all enveloping kind of the cyborg pseudo mummy um, scenario you have in daycare is, is delivered to be clear with, with the best of intentions and by kind, nice, caring uh, workers most of the time. Um, but but its perverse incentives are such that they, that you don't let, you don't let kids take risks. They, they they are micromanaged in terms of how they resolve interpersonal conflicts. They are prevented from injuring themselves ever. There is a whole bureaucracy um, that surrounds you know, minor injuries. So there's a, the, the whole thing is very very unnatural relative to relative to just being around your siblings and your mum or you know playing playing outside or whatever. Um, and there's and and I've I've come to the, the older I've got, the more I've come to think that actually the crisis of um, civil discourse and the crisis of individual agency, which is what under, ultimately underpins the sort of longing for authoritarianism, um, is is rooted in that experience of being over over managed, over scheduled, you know, all the, pretty much all the way from infancy, sometimes sometimes from two weeks old, in some cases. And, the, and, this, and this explains in turn why the, the longing for authoritarianism is now is now palpable across young people on both the left and the right. You know, this isn't this isn't just sort of the, your fascistic blue hairs who, who want to who want to abolish, who want to you know, hang, burn women like me at the stake for knowing that biological sex exists. You know, this is also <laughs> this is also the kids on the right who, who want an actual Caesar. Um, it, it's, it's, it's kind of everybody. Um, and I, I'd be I mean, it's. I don't have data on it, but it, it ought to be empirically researchable whether or not there's any kind of a link between. Actually, no, there is research on this. There, there's, there's, there is a strong correlation in the research that people have done between between helicopter parenting and a desire for authoritarian governance, which is kind of a no-brainer when you think about it. Like, duh, you know, you were you were raised under a totalitarian, um, a, a stifling totalitarian system. Of course, you want to. Of course, you think that's normal. <laughs> you know, it kind of makes sense. Um, but what? Yeah. So, so that's so that's the authoritarian. The, the authoritarian streak in young people. The anti-authoritarianism, I also think, is in evidence across both the left and the right. I mean, this is, um, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm cautious about poking poking hornet's nests on the, on, the, on the weird right. But in my observation, like, there's a lot of guys there who are very keen on the idea of natural aristocracy. But, they, but, but that, that the idea of natural aristocracy seems, doesn't seem to have a corresponding doesn't well at least if it, I'm not aware of a sort of correspondingly well developed theory of honourable uh, honourable hierarchy, mm. um, as in you know it's it's like there's there's it it, it would be great it would be great to be a a, a a Hellenistic lord but nobody's nobody's thinking very much about how you how you could actually have quite a nice life as a helot or, or there isn't nearly as much um, so there's a in in a sense there's in a, like everybody's still imagining themselves as the big I am. Um, which is, I mean, if you're, if, if you're imagining yourself as the authority, you're still not really considering what it would be like to take to take orders from an authority, if you see what I'm saying. So, so there's sure, yeah, yeah I, um, I think... and 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 on the other side, on, on on the other side, on the left, there's just the the the, the desire to dissolve everything and vanish back into the oceanic uh, mother swarm, um, which is in in a, in a way it's much more direct. But you know, if you yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of feel like it's the same picture in some respects, you know, because in in both cases there's no, there's a, there's a deep reluctance to consider the possibility that um, beneficial hierarchical structures might actually be benign and in your best interests, and that sometimes shutting up and taking orders is 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 better. 
<laughs> that that piece is that piece is somehow missing on both sides of the discourse. Even if their their interpretations of what's wrong with that or what we should be doing instead is is very different. So so these are the, these are the two pieces. Um, you know the the authoritarian yearning in young people, particularly or re really in the culture as a whole, but it's most pronounced in young people. And then the an the anti authoritarian yearning. And my yeah, I, I've I've meditating on all of that. I've come to wonder whether actually the most the solution might the, the solution that ends up being most palatable to a lot of people mightn't be you know if if it's so intolerable to set one person over any other um you know whether you're arguing about who gets to be the natural aristocrat or whether you're just you know violently allergic to to the idea of hierarchy full stop um whatever the reason are the the the, the only solution that people might be able to settle on could could potentially be you know a, a, an ai monarch and then you know if, if if we now have a way to a way to get to to find off to find a route towards that monarch actually having a divine spark i.e us then there's yeah yeah it's it, it's so yeah it's, it's it's speculative but i i can see i can see how we get there yeah the really interesting part of that is that basically it would be swapping the the constitutional rule for this right but the the beauty that a lot of people, you know, in the in the Enlightenment, the reason that this is so attractive to so many people is the idea of self-governance, even though that's not exactly how that works out. The idea that you didn't have anybody above you, that there, you know, that there is this consensus, this committee, this popular sovereignty that's ruling over you, and that was replacing, you know, the the aristocracy or the direct monarchy. That was that was very inviting for a lot of people because there no nobody wants to be ruled. However, I think people are getting to the end of the idea that that in and of itself is going to continue to function, but they still, but they don't want to replace that with a direct authority like you're talking about. And so the way to kind of shift the program, but without actually putting any one human in charge is to replace it with kind of this AI monarch. And in that way, you do still have no human, right? You still, it's a, there, there, you still get to kind of sell the idea of scientism and consensus as the thing that actually drives your social organization. You know, it's always objective. It's it's not any, you, you can still pretend to remove the political in the Schmidtian sense from any of these conflicts, but you do put something that is objectively more authoritarian into that position. And so you, you don't have to have anyone actually deal with the fact that there's going to be, a, the, the, that there's going to be a decision-making apparatus that will be motivated. Uh, they, they don't have to actually look and see it as, one faction winning over or being ruled uh and instead they can still substitute just like they do with the constitution constitutional governments i think uh the idea that that they are governing in some way through the ai rather than actually being ruled over by an individual with motivations that might not be their own yeah and i i can i can honestly see i mean especially especially given how how narrow the overton window has palpably become um, and how constrained the voting choices have palpably become, you know, to a to an to a degree that's really very observable to most people now. I can I can honestly see how it might come to feel as though adding your voice to the egregore might not be a more true and direct form of democratic participation than casting a vote once every five years. I mean that that to me feels totally plausible. Um, yeah, in a sense, it's kind of tail on steroids, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but 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 it but it has the nuclear codes. Holy yeah. shit! 
<laughs> well, and it, and it will have to be properly lobotomized. There's no way right. they're going to let they're not they're not going to let the actual thing out into the wild. It's going to have no, to no, be no, well no, no, no. But I mean, in a, also in a sense, we this is kind of this this is already happening. Um, I mean, not not tail on steroids, um, but but the introduction of um, AI. Uh, decision making, AI proceduralism, if you like, into the in, into the soft tissue of everyday human governance. That's already happening. I mean, the it's it creeps in here and there. I, I believe I, I believe it's it's used sometimes in to in processing court cases. Um, I'd have to I'd have to go rummaging for for examples. Um, I didn't want to blow up the piece by getting into getting into all of that. But they, yeah, in grow growing growing proportions of um, administration for example yeah the, for for example across adjudicating insurance or deciding you know pr pr pricing or adjudicating insurance claims i believe there are, there are now ai algorithms involved um and it it seems plausible to me that a, an increasing proportion of you know the the decisions which might seem trivial but which you know are materially very important to individual people's lives and can we can be just incredibly exasperating when you find yourself going round and round the bureaucratic circles will come to be governed by those those sorts of mechanisms by the by the paperclip machine um with 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 who knows what safeguards or lack of safeguards for actually making making decisions which aren't which don't have six fingers as it were uh, and you know whether or not whether or not we'll end uh, you know I don't, I don't think i don't think there's any immediate prospect of ending up with with an, an actual egregoric caesar but but i can yeah but i i can see that an entity of that kind symbolically being enthroned um, as and uh, and then several, you know, hundreds of thousands of shittier subversions of it just propagating themselves throughout every every you know every every blood vessel of the bureaucracy, such that yeah, so such that all your insurance decisions and healthcare decisions and etc. and so on all all end up all all end up having six fingers. And yeah, I think this is going to happen. In fact, I already know this is happening in certain sectors and, and people, I think, are going to feel, you know, again, we are so uh, you use the term swarm governance. And I think that's that's exactly right. We are so enamored with this idea of inhuman governance. Uh, you know, at first it was through, you know, legislatures or committees, and then it became bureaucracy, bureaucracies and experts. And I think the next step of taking these decisions out of human hands will be uh, artificial intelligence that are employed in, in every one of these interactions that you're talking about. Right, because yeah, you, because you're we're already seeing actually more from the right than from the left, but 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 really from both sides, uh, we're, we're increasingly seeing the objection to the epistocracy uh, being that it's politically biased. Um, that that in you know whether whether the accusation is that the 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 rule by experts is just a, a, a pork barrel politics exercise, you know, shoveling resources shoveling resources into your own pockets under the guise of ruling ruling people reasonably and justly and and rationally according to the science tier, um, or, or whether it's people just saying you know they, they, this has been in, whether it's the other lot claiming that it's just been. You know, the 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 infrastructure has been captured by people who hate us, and therefore we're going to burn it all down. You know, those the 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 rule rule by experts is is reaching the end of the road in terms of political legitimacy. Um, what comes next? Um, 
it seems to me that you know we're going to end up with an authoritarian governance of one sort or another, and it's either going to be it's either it's either going to be a human Caesar or it's going to be an egregoric Caesar. Um, I yeah, I'm, I'm not very you know I'm giggling maniacally, but I'm not very happy about either of those prospects. Um, I'm just watching it happen, just you know, with that like like the guy going down on the bomb at the end of Doctor Strangelove. That's kind of that's that that, that it's that kind of giggle, I think. Well, it, it does end up putting us in. I mean, if we really do hand over all of these micro decisions to artificial intelligence in that way, it really does close that self-exciting feedback loop, right? Like we're we're kind of done having any limiter on digital acceleration because human needs are humans become completely unable to mediate their own needs. They 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 no longer able to make any decisions. Everything is reliant on AI, and AI is increasingly not really. While it starts in the service of human uh, need, it doesn't really need to stay there once basically all human input has has been left out of this. And I think also interestingly, you 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 put something in there that really got my my gears turning, which was the idea that you would basically like comment for the algorithm for democracy, uh, because th this would be you know. Uh, Everybody, a number of thinkers from Bertrand de Juvenal to, to Hans Hermann Hoppe have pointed out that basically democracy, the, the idea of popular sovereignty actually grew government significantly. The explosion of government under the idea that you would be doing it in the name of the people. There's only so much you can do in the, in the name of the, the aristocracy or as the monarch. But when you're when you're acting in the name of the people, you know, you can you can start the levee en masse. You can you know mobilize the entire uh, the entire nation to war and you can uh, have them, you know, own the means of production because you're doing it for the good of, of the people and whatnot. And this seems like the next logical step in securing the total state basically is the idea that you would feed into the algorithm and the algorithm would be the most organic reflection of the will of the people. Yes. Because exactly. it's literally skimming the will of the people off the top of the internet and it, there's just nothing you could deny this force because it, it truly is channeling the zeitgeist in the most like open vein way possible. Which is which is clearly not actually true. I mean, there are some people are considerably more online than others, and you you don't you don't have to spend very long thinking about it to realize that it would not be in remotely representative. Um, you know you. There, there are a lot of old people who who are not very who who have no idea how any of this works. <laughs> some. <laughs> A very, a very nice, very nice older woman, an historian who, who I did a debate with recently, um, asked me at the dinner afterwards. She said, "I send a lot of emails. Does that mean I'm very online?" No, 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 no. The fact that you asked that question said tells me that you're no, 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 no. That's not how it works. So, so of course, it's not going to be equal or representative or or democratic in any in any meaningful egalitarian sense. I mean, what what it would be, who knows? I mean, and yet, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not completely without hope because I mean, yes, you know, if you if you follow that follow that thought through and you think, well, if that works the way it's supposed to, then yes, you know, we're heading to really frighteningly dystopian places. However, um, if I have any, if if I have optimism, it's, I always end up saying this to you, Oren, um, you know, in as much as I have any optimism, it's just that thing, things things aren't going to be that horrible because they'll, they'll go wrong before they get that horrible. Yeah. That, well, that was my, that's what you, you crushed my hope of that here in, yeah. this, in this article, because, you know, that's, that's always my hope is like, well, no, before, before we completely start sacrificing to the AI gods, like 
civilization simply will stop scaling. Like there, there'll be a, there'll be a competency collapse. You know, the networks won't work. You know, yeah, won't I think able... honestly, I think the thing which will save us will be competency collapse. Yeah, um, which is yeah, that's not a very not a very cheery prospect. <laughs> saved saved by collapsing <laughs> collapsing infrastructure and the the decimation of complex systems. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, to me that it seems logically it's it it seems it seems fairly clear that if you if if we volunteer to become the the sort of obese floating uh, screen screen consuming guzzlers out of Wally, then we're not going to be able to maintain the complex systems which feed the AI for more than a generation. I mean, this is already happening to air traffic control. You know, I I, I struggle to see how. Um, yeah, but I, I struggle to see how we'll maintain the kind of complex systems which which the AI is intended to serve. And I mean, you know, you can imagine, you know, some sort of dark science fiction future where all of all of the AI algorithms are still working perfectly, but none of the material realities to which they were supposed to correspond really exist anymore because we just forgot how to how to maintain them all, or just went back to subsistence farming <laughs> while the AI does its thing, sort of in perpetuity in the cloud. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, we're sort of back into kind of bonkers science fiction again. But yeah, yeah, I think we'll be saved by competence collapse, and people will just go back to doing things in slightly less complicated ways and on a smaller scale, which might, you know, it, it might be might be a better a better version of actually existing post liberalism than the actually existing post liberalism we have. Um, I'd be, even though it's arguably going to be a bumpy ride getting there. Well, I, so. I think so. I had hoped that that was going to be the case, but now that you've given me the vision of the like kind of uh, the rolling blob consuming uh, AI Caesar here, I wonder if that isn't a way that they can stretch things much longer than I previously thought. Because I thought like the the political organization has to fail first, but th this seems like a way to extend that kind of impersonal political organization well beyond its current shelf life while maintaining at least some semblance of functionality. I guess the real question is, can can the AI, can the capital, whatever you want to call it, can it escape territoriality entirely while just leaving the destitution? Like, can you get this uh, Elysium version of, or cyberpunk version of humanity where like you just have the best of the best skimming off the top and living this an amazing life, you know, govern while everyone else is just maintained and governed by this kind of AI, you know, uh, Caesar that that kind of holds things in stasis. I guess you'd say like, no, the systems that would that would maintain it would fall apart. But if they can farm the if they can farm, you know, the 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 average chud enough, you know, they, will will they be able to hold it up? I guess uh, for an extended period of time is, is the question we'd be asking. I mean, if you, the, the the other thing the other thing that might save us, along with competence collapse, is fertility collapse. Yeah. You know, if we're if we're, if we're being if we're if we're being collapsed pilled here, um, I I don't I wrote I I just filed an article about pandas and panda diplomacy, and because it seemed I mean you know pandas are you know they're they're a principal vector for conversations between China and the U.S. and have been for a long time, but they're also the the byword for does not does not mate in captivity, and it struck me and, and thinking about it I I felt like that, that there's a there's an analogy there. Um, between um, the the sort of technologization uh, of efforts to kind of you know perpetuate the panda and the reasons why pandas are just not getting it because they, they do fine in the wild you just have to leave them alone 
Um, you just have to let them do it their way, and then you know pandas make more pandas. But they, you know, under under sort of the the highly artificial sort of living there, the pod, the pod, and the bugs, they just they just don't do it. And the same is true for people. You know, beyond a certain point, you know, you if you beyond a certain sort of level of pod and bugs, people just people just don't want to make more people, um, and that's that's increasingly a problem. Um, and I, between between the, the the attrition of our ability, between the, the sort of growing, I think, collective loss of interest in how things work, which to me is now is now very obvious. It's not just it's not just it's not just that we've forgotten or that we've become more stupid or something like that. Even from from the elites down, people just do not care how things work. You know, with a with a with a, a relatively small minority of exceptions, people just don't care how things work. They're not interested. Um, nobody just people just don't think like that they're much more interested in moral if you like spiritual realities you know we're becoming in a weird way a much more spiritual people but the consequence of that is that everyone nobody can be bothered to mend the potholes anymore because they just don't care so we're going back to the the sort of roads that we had before people started caring about potholes um and at the same time you know the while while we're all sort of busy spiritualizing and becoming you know more more interested in in theology than we are in or yeah it's it's not a theology i'm a fan of but it's theology um well we're we're becoming more interested in in moral issues than material ones um we're also being all heard well herded into kind of you know panda enclosures and then and then told to have sex and make more babies because that's the only way that's the only way the, the merry-go-round can keep turning and, and i sort of feel like you know that whatever whatever the slightly slightly stickier version of voting with your feet is people are doing it and i don't completely blame them um more well, they're not voting with their... yeah it's, it's it's not happening and the 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 medium term consequence of that will just be i mean who knows what it'll be you know there are there are various kinds of nightmare scenario but none of them look like the sort of steady state that be, that could be governed by an ai even even a very um a very nimble and sort of quasi intelligent egregoric one powered by twitter i just struggle to see a, a Twitter-powered egregore really knowing what the hell to do with, you know, the the the, the various kinds of collapse scenario that, that are downstream of major population implosions. Yeah, it, it's really interesting because Oswald Spengler actually predicted this in Decline of the West. He said that we were going to walk away from science and people are like, no, that that's not a thing. You can't do that. He's like, no, I mean, just think about it. People don't want to be constrained in this way. Like you're, you're, the human mind does not want to have these uh, these eventualities, the, these absolutes, even if they are true, like it, it can't, it can't properly exist. Like the, it, the metaphysical inside of it just simply won't be, is unequipped to deal with certainty. And so it's, you're You're just going to have your top minds like walk away and study something else. And like it, you know, you won't lose the knowledge per se. Like it's, it's not going to get burned down and, and you don't have a library of Alexandria situation. But you're just going to have people who are incapable of maintaining it. You're going to end up, you know, the 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 what's the uh, the the quote on Twitter? The the uh, arc of history is long, but it bends towards Warhammer 40k. Like you're just going to have a bunch of people who have these ancient technologies. They're amazing, but like <laughs> nobody knows how to maintain them. Only a few people can actually deploy them. And I've made this argument myself: is like, you know, the, a lot of this world uh a lot of this technological infrastructure that we think has been projected across the world is maintained only because first world nations pour just insane amounts of time and energy and intellect and money into maintaining it you're, you're not going to keep that infrastructure grid up globally without that constant um, amazing amount of surplus and that's going to fall apart once that does then you're going to have pockets of this technology it's still going to exist 
but it's not going to perpetuate itself in the way it does now. Right. And and the, just bringing this back to the, you know, are, are we going to end up with all of, you know, the radically terraformed chuds, was, was the word you used, um, who, who are just sort of kept pass- docile and pacified by to- AI, total AI management. That, that seems implausible to me for the simple reason that total AI management becomes less and less technically possible the further you are from the periphery. I mean, returning to the COVID example again, lockdowns just didn't happen in most African countries because it was it was just it's obviously a dumb idea when most people have are subsistence have have subsistence livelihood. You can't lock people down um, because they they'll just die. Like you know, you do not save people's lives by making them stay in their huts. Um, that that doesn't work. Um, and if you if you you extend that principle. Um, you know, you might be able to terraform some of the chuds in some of the cities, you know, near near the near the big data center, figuratively speaking. But the further you get out into the into the into the Mad Max badlands, um, the, the the less workable that's going to be because the, the systems start to break down because you don't have enough people to maintain them, or because the power's not reliable enough, or because nobody's nobody's mended the roads because they don't care about the roads. Um, so yeah, I, I I I don't know what kind of a future we're looking at, um, but I think it's you know if it, if it's a, a best of the best uh, creepy techno futurist elite, um, yeah, the the rest is going to look more sort of Guillaume Fay than it is Wally, if you see what I mean. So uh, now that we're both doomer pilled and we're we're really whole, <laughs> we're really banking on the optimism of of total systemic collapse, we did we I did want to ask you one more thing before we go. Uh, we kind of blew past it a little bit because you were getting to other topics. But you mentioned that a lot of people, even you know, the left is obviously anti-hierarchy. Like that—that's just what it does. Uh, but the right, uh, you know, seems to have a problem searching for and understanding what would be a right order and a sustainable hierarchy that would kind of benefit uh, the whole. And I wanted to talk about that a second because I think you're right that that is a problem. I think you have the struggle between, you know, say tradcast, and then you have like kind of Nietzscheans who are just like, well, will to power it and whoever, you know, wins it, wins it, and who cares if it's good for the rest. But I think the the problem, the reason that the, that the right is searching for the proper understanding and orientation for hierarchy is because there are so few actual organic communities in which you could actually set this hierarchy of virtues. You, you can't develop a, virtue, a, a kind of virtue ethic without a community in which you could actually practice those virtues. And therefore, you can't really understand, I think, in that instance, a beneficial aristocracy because there is no shared concept of the good for a community in which that aristocracy would rule. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Um, you know, fatherlessness, arguably. You know, if, if, I mean, I, I don't I don't claim that everything comes down to parenting, but a lot comes actually comes down to parenting. Um, and if you raise, you know, if, if kids don't especially boys if especially boys don't grow up with fathers you know all other things being equal assuming assuming you have a sort of averagely functional relationship with your dad that is a, a template for what uh, ben, what benign authority looks like or should be um if you if you grow up without that i mean we know we know what that looks like it looks like urban scholars um and and yeah the the yeah we we know what that looks like and and it's not uh, it's not benign hierarchy, and it's certainly not very organised or very prosocial. Um, again, if you raise if you raise kids in daycare, that's a that's a completely different model. 
for for how authority works or even or even what authority is it's a it's a weird fusion of authority and nurturing you know com- with a kind of with therapeutic overtones um, none of which has any space at all for a conception of beneficial of benign authority the, the any possibility that the that any conceptual space for the idea that somebody could be setting authority over you and still and actually care about your interests um and so and so i don't think it's surprising that 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 idea has bled out of it's bled out of work it's bled out of the culture it's bled out of education it, pretty much every every cultural institution you care to think of that's that's just pretty much unthinkable and pretty much unsayable uh, which is which is very strange because it's and it feels like it's happened pretty much over my lifetime i mean when i went to school we had desks in a row and we information was imparted to us by our teachers and now you know my daughter goes to school and she has she had her, her she, she sits around a table and they talk to one another and well, i was this let this me tell you my, about Kagan teaching. Oh. Let me let me explain to you the uh, I have sent through far too many trainings of exactly what you're doing. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, the, oh, that's oh god, yeah, that's right. This is yes. this is what you used to do. This yes, is, I, okay. I, I, I don't I'm just sorry, know, I've triggered you. I don't just know the phenomenon <laughs> you're talking yeah. about. I have been trained in its de- in its deployment. Yeah, and it, yes, and to uh, me, to me, it's the most evil and malign thing that's that's happened to the culture. It's one one of the most malign interventions um, in in the culture in over the last century, um, because it's. It, I mean, I can't think of a more of a more insidious and totalizing way of conveying the idea that that truth is is arrived at by. Consensus, um, and there's no and has no external validity, and, and can't ever just be did be delivered by an authority. Um, and uh, not, not to mention the fact that it's just kryptonite for nerds and bookish people and people who just like learning stuff. I mean, the, the, the whole thing is just it's evil on so many levels. Putting putting kids around tables in the classroom. Just how how is anybody expected to learn? Is, I mean, this this isn't even something I went through, but I'm traumatized on behalf of every every kid who's been subjected to that and has has actually managed to learn something just in spite of it. Um, but uh, yeah, well, so 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 that, and then you know, no, and then it percolates out into the whole culture, and no wonder we find it so difficult to imagine that somebody could just say, "Can you, you know, j- just shut up and do as you're told?" Um, which and, and and the possibility that somebody could say that and actually be right, or at least, I mean, it's it's easy to imagine people doing that, but it's it's almost unthinkable. It's become it's a sort of moral. I, I feel like I've just committed blasphemy by by uttering by. By, by voicing the possibility that somebody could say shut up and do as you're told and actually be right and not only be right but also say do that in a in a way which is in your best interests um you know th- this is where we are i mean this is it's the, the hard problem one of the hard problems in in political thinking and writing i think at the moment is is finding a finding a way back to being able to to, to being able to occupy that space and, and to, to to reclaim that cultural and political territory and and to do so in a way which isn't just you know we're all we're all going to have a big a big Nietzschean dogfight and then whoever wins just gets to be the boss by definition and because because there's nothing that there's there's somehow no space in there underneath for how people organise themselves um, collab- constructively um, you know but, and what what that it it feels to me like what that what that looks and maybe maybe the, maybe we just have to go through this in order to find yeah, our way back yeah. you know maybe maybe we actually just have to go through like several generations of of mafia and i mean i guess <laughs> you know the, the the british monarchy did that for 100 years give or take you know <laughs> maybe that's maybe sometimes that just has to happen for a bit until people finally come up with a settlement that they they can live with i don't know i mean where where i'm 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 black killed again, man. Sorry. <laughs> no, that, 
<laughs> I, I think that's right. I think that that society does cycle from the bureaucratic back to the feudal. And I, you know, there's a there's a great passage in the juvenile where he says basically like you know, of course every king begins as a bandit, but a, a bandit, but eventually he figures out that caring for the people he's fleecing is actually a better long term investment than uh you know than uh than than fleecing them completely and that's actually the moment where kind of the the idea of the rex is born you know the the, the king is born out of this understanding that the the good right. of, the, of the people right, over right. time is, is is better than simply the nietzschean uh kind of over overpowering of them but i think that only happens i think that cycle only turns once we you know kind of that collapse of of uh complexity that we've been talking about uh, occurs and and you kind of go through back through that cycle where people rebuild into uh tighter communities that that don't have that that understand the good and the need of of to work for the good of uh the, the collective but without the uh requirement of kind of this underpinning of technology that abstracts it so much that there's no way in which they can actually determined uh you know the, the virtue of the hierarchy in which they live so, so you think we have to we have to go from the tropical longhouse back via the anglo-saxon longhouse <laughs> the only way out is through the longhouse i don't <laughs> but, yeah, but but they, no, it's the other longhouse <laughs> it's, 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 the, the, the 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 other longhouse where where, where your lord um, in, in indulges in displays of mili- of of boasting about his military prowess and hands out gold um, in exchange for killing your enemies Exactly. Um, it, that, that is the other longhouse. I, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the maybe the only way out is through the other longhouse. All right. Well, there's now a, that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. There's a there's a cheery note. Maybe. Yes. Yes. Now, <laughs> now that now that we've ended that discussion on a, on an extremely hopeful note, uh, <laughs> Mary, is there anything that people should be looking forward uh, to from you? <laughs> any place they should be looking to find your work? I'm. I'm. I've started work on a new book, which I'm very excited about. It's, I mean, it's it, it at the moment it's a it's an equally extremely online set of chapter headings. But I I, I have so much to tell you about that because I think I think you'll be interested. Um, it's about the end of print culture, um, which I think is going to yeah. It, it working title is the New Reformation, um, which which we're we're in, baby. It's happening. It's going to be messy. Last time there was there were several decades, several centuries of war. Uh, it's happening, baby. So that's what I'm working on. I mean, you can find me at Reactionary Feminist, which is my Substack. You can I tweet at Moving Circles. I write weekly for Unheard, U N H E R D. Um, that's me. I, I show up some other places too. This is this has been fun. Thank you. No, absolutely. All right, guys, make sure that you're checking out Mary's work. And of course, if it's your first time on the channel, please make sure that you go ahead and subscribe. And of course, if you want to hear these broadcasts as podcasts, you can go ahead and subscribe to the Or McIntyre Show on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you, Mary. And thank you, everybody, for coming by. As always, we'll talk to you next time.